We're going to continue in Philippians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 6. If you find your place, please stand with me to read in God's word that he may do a work with his sheep. In verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. These things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. You may be seated. Last week we started, and hopefully this week we will finish this section of Scripture that we have here today. And I, and I tell you, my first question that comes to mind, because we spoke about application, about the application of God's Word to us. I want to ask you a question. How did it go last week? How did it go? Because... To be anxious for nothing, to in everything in prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, and request be made known to God. Think about these scriptures. I'm not going to stay here long, but I tell you, it's just so hard to get past this, and I can't quickly do it, but we will get to, finally, brethren. Last week, we had the, the, the title as the guidepost for the Christian. The guidepost for our dependence, for our thoughts. And for our practice. And it may be a very common name and may have some bad wording behind it, uh, but I meant it in a good way, and meaning that the Word of God is the signpost or the guidepost that we have to live a life unto Him. Nothing else but God's Word. And I pray if your name's in the book of life that you look at this past week with me, and you see why it says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and your quest be made known to God and the God of peace that surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now the question is for us today, did we do that? 
Did we do that? I tell you now, be anxious for nothing. I tell you now, this is glorious because we come to God with earnestly knowing that we have that Psalm 145 and it showed us the glory of the Almighty God and how we lived last week and how we let the things of the ungodly thoughts coming to our mind with the things that we permitted to be listened to by our ears. We permitted the things to be seen by our eyes. We let it come into our mind and our heart and our soul. And that one Psalm 145 crushed us in that. But then it brings us to this. And everything, everything, Lord help me in supplication. Lord, you're holy, and if you have, you have made me right with you, but yet I failed in so many different ways. Lord, with thanksgiving, the Lord shows us our, our sin and how we failed last week, and He shows us this, and we come to Him, oh Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for what I've thought. Forgive me for what I've looked at. Lord, forgive me. And then we have this. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. He's our Father. He's our Christ. Amen. We have Thanksgiving because this God showed you in me our sin, how we put him on the shelf that we may have our way. How we put him on the shelf to look at other things more than him. But he convicted us of our sins. And with thanksgiving, we made our request made known unto this God of glory. Isn't that wonderful? Hey, I praise the Lord that once he uh, shows to us that he adopted us, he adopted us before the World began, by the way. Praise the Lord for that. But there's a day that he shows you that you belong to him. Ain't you glad about that? Ain't that wonderful, knowing that you belong to him? Then he says to us, and look at this, he says, in the God of peace, if, look, if, be anxious for nothing, and everything in prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, and the request made known to God, and the peace of God surpasses all comprehension. But it'll also do something. When we start off right here, it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that's, that's large, isn't it? And that's not a proper word. Huge wouldn't work it. That's just uncomprehensible. Uh, that's the closest thing you could come to on this earth of what that means, what it should mean to us. The God of glory is for you. The God of glory is for us. The God of glory says, come to me, come to me, come to me, my child. I know what you've done. Come to me. I know what you thought. Come to me. I could just say amen and sit down and that's all we need. But I tell you, it's just it's so wonderful to think about when we look upon the God of glory and he gives us these verses like this. If we keep our minds on God, 
in the things of who he is, it will truly guard our hearts and our minds. Do you believe that? And I asked myself, well, Wesley, if you believed that, you wouldn't have done what you did last week. Because we have a tendency to put God on the shelf so we can think our way. But I tell you, it is God of glory that says this to you and to me. You belong to me. You're mine. And that's just wonderful. Wonderful. Even as we look at this past week, it's even more so wonderful today because we are forgiven and strengthened that this God hears our prayers if we confess unto him. Then he convicts us, draws that confession, but then he strengthens us to get back into the fight. Amen? To get back in there, stand firm on the Word of God, act like men, stand firm on the Word of God, say this to yourself over and over and over again, you are to stand firm on the Word of God unto yourself first, because this is not about the person set beside you, or how it may apply to someone else as you're thinking. This applies to me and you, and only you in the mirror. And only me in the mirror of God's word. Not, oh, how somebody else needs to hear this. Oh, how they need to adjust. No, how we need to adjust. By what? Starts with verse 8. Our first part was our dependence upon God. And now he gives us the guidepost for our thoughts. Finally, brethren, we will unpack every one of these. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Now, finally, is the final instructions that he has given us for us to, to contemplate on, to dwell on these things is the first list that we have here. The second list is the, is the guidepost for our practice. We will see that in verse 9, but the first list is here we're at. And we'll see that by, the, by this application, it's not just for us to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also, right? But I want to give this out to you before we go into the text itself in verse 8. So Paul uses the phrase in the beginning with whatever, and if helps establish the guidepost or the guardrails for the Christian life. We see that the word whatever, uh, the six of these six of these start with the whatever, and two begin with the word if. Whatever is the all-encompassing, uh, no exceptions to this. In the, in the if communicates the following action permitted in the conditions that the certain moral qualifications are met. Understand, you can't have the if without the what. This is only done through the, uh, the work of Christ and all the work that he has done in us and for us and for his glory. 
right? We cannot make ourselves right with God. This is for the Christian himself today. Uh, the believer shall want this peace when we get done, but the believer himself, we can give our peace away when we pick up the devil's tools that he gives us. We don't fear the devil, right? Amen? We should get a big amen for that because God is sovereign and the devil belongs to him. But he uses that devil to correct us, to strengthen us, to show us the things in our lives. He supplies every tool that we may use to look and to be captivated. Other things besides him. And 2 Corinthians tells us we are to destroy speculation in every lofty thought raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are to bring every thought captive. Does that honor God? Does that line up with the list? Do I desire for it to line up with the list that God tells me what I can think about? That's going to trip the stuff out of our lives and praise the Lord for it. But we also see that in Isaiah 6.23 it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, O Lord. Wrong thinking leads to wrong feelings. And we, we, we think about these things. And you think about this wrong, the, before the long, wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling. Before, the, before long, the heart and the mind are pulled apart when we strangle them by worrying. Isn't that so true? Isn't that so true when we put God on a shelf and make it our own? Isn't that so, so true when we don't think about our every thought being captive unto the glory of Christ? Isn't that true when you, when you let things come into your mind and let that govern you versus what the Word of God tells you should govern you? Listen to this right here. This is a survey that was put out on worry. They indicated that 8% of the things people worried about were legitimate matters of concern. The other 92% were made up, never happened, or involved matters which we had no power over anyway. Isn't that true? Have you ever thought about somebody doing something to you and you got mad at them and they wasn't even around you? And then when you saw them, it was nothing like you contemplated and built up in your mind. You know how you do that? It's by not keeping your mind focused on the Word of God and who Christ is and what He's done for us. We are to build up our brethren, not tear them down. And this is what it's about today. We should be leaving here today built up to honor and to glorify this cross because He did everything for Him. To Him, I owe everything for the mercy of this God. You sow a bad thought, it will reap a bad action. So an action, it'll reap a habit. So a habit, it'll reap a character. So a character, it'll reap a destiny. So many of these things are so true to us is that, man, praise the Lord for His mercy and how application must be a part of our lives. That we don't leave here the same. 
We are to leave every time differently. Willing, you came in today willing to be changed by God, right? That's what, that's our approach today. Each time we come together, Lord, change me. Show me the things that in my life that need to be out of my life that I may adore you, worship you, be captivated by you more and more and more that I can live my life dedicated unto you for the glory of Christ himself. We are ready to get started now. But before we do, I want you to read uh, the last uh, three words, four words, excuse me, Verse 8, it says, dwell on these things. I want to touch that first because this is the completion of that clause, but I want to touch that first because as we go through it, this is how we are to address it. And what does that mean, dwell on these things? Again, as we have spoken of before, it's a verb, uh, an imperative second person plural, meaning it is a command unto us, meaning that it is to be active, we are to make it active in our lives, right? And who else is second person plural? That means it is to us, right? So to ponder, to reflect, to reason, to take inventory, to estimate, to think about, to meditate on is a command of God through His Word. And in the Word of God, we it says right here, now when we go through, whatever is true. Whatever is true, Dependability, authentic, genuine, reliable, honest, or faithful. It must line up with the Word of God in Scripture. The Holy Spirit controls our minds through the truth of God's Word. When we lay down the Word, we lay down our guard. It doesn't mean that we always have Scripture around us, but I tell you, we probably all got more room for it on everything, our phones, everything. We, we can't get too much of Scripture, can we? In application. 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 Because of, we owe them everything. So as we go through this, it's to ponder on what it means. Jesus says this in the high priestly prayer, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. Sanctification work is in a process, and when it's completed, we're done, and we're going on to glory, amen? But it's the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be sanctified. We cannot, uh, we're not allowed to put them on the shelf. We're not allowed to think scripture how I want to think scripture is. We're not allowed to cut out Philippians. Philippians applies to us just like Matthew and all the word of God in its proper order. But what, think about last week. Just think about last week. Whatever was true. Well, that doesn't mean Everything that's true, we should be dwelling on, right? Because there's some things, comments that people have made that are true that just we don't need to be dwelling on them things. We have to have the Word of God. The Word of God is what we should be dwelling on. Why? Because it testifies us that we have the Spirit of truth in us. Amen? That's the power of God. Whatever is honorable, right? Think about this. But the devil, when he thinks about the uh, the truth, the devil ties control... uh, 
but the devil tries to control them through lies. Whenever we believe a lie, Satan takes over. Whenever we make up a lie, whatever is true, whatever outside of that, when we conjure up something in the mind that doesn't exist, right? When we uh, are reacting instead of responding, when we think about this, Satan, man, is having a field day. Why? Because you're not thinking about God at this time. You're thinking about him. And when you're thinking about self being the center of the gospel, I'm telling you, you're not thinking rightly. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen? This is really what it's about. This is what, what we wave. We wave our banner. It's about Jesus Christ. But sometimes, as soon as we get out of here, we forget about the application. What did we hear today? Does it apply to me? Yes, it applies to me. Why? Because I love him. I'm captivated by him. I want more of him. That's what we're driven by, not legalistic stuff. You could come down and Paul doesn't give us do this, do this, and do this, and do this. You notice that? Because that would be legalism. But whatever is true opens it up. Whatever is honorable. Worthy of respect, noble, as leaders of the church, it should be a person's urge to be respectable. Think about what is worthy of respect is opposite. Now, think about our language last week, or think about how we acted or what we thought of last week. This, what's worthy of respect is opposite for what is crude and vulgar and nasty. just opposite of that. We're not to laugh at the jokes that the world laughs at. We're not to watch the things that the world watches. Why? Because it does get in there, and it does have you think about other things besides him. No matter if it's on the radio or on the TV, it does a damage. You will be pondering on it. You will be thinking about other things because of a commercial or TV program or even the radio. It will pull away your attention to focus on things that are not dishonor things that are dishonorable unto God. It will do that, my friend. I'm telling you today, don't be deceived. It says to tell, tell, Paul tells Timothy, flee from all appearance of evil. We've heard that numerous, numerous times, but yet we look and hear it do like it doesn't bother us, and the Bible says it does. We are to stand firm on the written word of God. Why? Because we love him. Because we want to honor him in all that he does. And it goes on, whatever is right, whatever is just, whatever is of the Christian virtue. Right comes from the word righteousness. It refers to that which is conformed to a standard. The standard that Paul has in mind here is God's own holy, flawless, pure character. So that's going to trim out a bunch right there, isn't it? This is not a suggestion. Remember we read that at the beginning? So because our mind wants to say, well, we don't have to go that far. Man, I'm telling you, I have been accused, Wesley, you've gone too far. And I'm here today to tell you I haven't gone far enough. The world would tell you, man, you don't have to be that wrapped up in Christ. 
You don't have to be that captivated. You can have a little bit of the world and enjoy the world. That's what the world will tell you. And I'm telling you that we haven't gone far enough yet because our life shows it. And it's the mercy of God that shows us. Think about this one. Whatever is pure, holy in the relationship to, into relation to God. Dwell on these things. How many of us dwelled on the holiness of God last week? Don't raise your hands. And I hope there are some of you, uh, some of us that dwelled on the holiness of God. Does it come boring to us? That's when we go back to the beginning. Verse 6. Whatever is morally clean, unmixed with impurities. We're constantly being attacked. But we are the ones that sin. We don't get to blame our sin on anybody else but ourselves. And if the Holy Spirit of truth dwells in us, he's not going to let us get away with that. Amen. And then at that time, he, again, we've already gone through that. Then you come with the supplication, Lord, I've sinned against you. Why and how and why would I do that? Because he picked it up. You knew it was wrong before you got there but you let it go on. Now it's rolling around that coconut and it's coming flushed up all the time until you get it out. It's not just empty in your mind, in your heart, in your desire. It's not just empty in. You have to put in what you take out. All right, you're just not an empty vessel. You're to be pouring yourself out unto God, but you're to pour out the things that are unholy, unpure, uh, whatever things are uh, unloving, whatever thing is just not right by the power of God and who He is. We pour them out and we take in. If we're only pouring out, we're going to be broke. And if we're only taking in, it's going to be mixed. It's not going to be right. It's the power of God that says whatever is lovely, remember, dwell on these things. Contemplate. Work on it. Think about it. Whatever is lovely. Not what the world says. Isn't Christ lovely? Isn't he lovely? Even more lovelier today, if that would ever be possible. Isn't he lovely? That means we should be lovely too. That means we should be approachable people. We should be people that they see the love of Christ on us. And they should be able to come to us, speak to us. About, you got something all over you. What is it? Amen. It should be the love of Christ. Don't go off with the worldly thought, and I'm not talking about men trying to be women. I'm talking about men being men and women being women. Both of those groups, both sides of that right there are to be lovely in Christ. We have one thing to prove that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And it's not a have to. It's not a have to. 
Do you hear that? It's not a have to. It's because I want to. And it should be your want to. It should be our want to, to honor him, to praise him. We should have a beauty about us that is so opposite of grotesque, of anything that's unlovely, anything uh, that is just gross in comparison to our God, just morally ugly. Again, this is the work the Holy Spirit does in us. He's producing fruit in us, but we sure do bruise a lot of it. Whatever is of good repute, whatever is honorable. Think about the joke that you laughed at last week, how it tore somebody down that you may be built up and laugh at it. Because most of the time, that's what jokes do. Not all of them. The jokes of men normally is tearing somebody down that they may laugh at the person that they're making made low in their manhood. But we are to build up one another. Is that our desire? We're to build up one another. When you think about your name... Right? What would people, what would their brethren say about you? Are you a lover of Jesus? Man, he loves the Lord. There's no higher compliment than that, by the way. Everything else is mere dung. But that person is lovely. Now, talk about physical looks. I'm talking about spiritual looks, what pours out of a person. They're a lover of Jesus Christ, and it just pours out. And other people that are of the same nature and of the same spirit notice that loveliness. And I think the men uh, have a tendency to think about flowers and stuff like that. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about putting away your manness and act like a man. And humble yourself before this God. Worthy of talking about what is everything that you talked about last week. Just think about it. Everything that you talked about last week worthy of talking about. Oh, my. This will bring you to the, the part of prayer, wouldn't it? But think about it one more step further. Because I've already mentioned, but I want you to think about how we can get into this realm because wrong thinking produces wrong action. Right? Wrong hearing produces wrong thinking, which produces wrong action. You get that. Now, we're, we're somewhat smart people in there. A plus one plus one equals two. We get that. Man, we throw out logic when it comes to the Word of God. These things actually apply to us. And we are to be dying to ourselves each and every day. We are to be casting away things that we may like, but causes us to sin. We need to get them out of our lives if we're going to have the security team of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Whatever good report. We can't waste our mind on things that are worthless. We can't waste our mind on things that just doesn't bring glory to God. 
We can't waste our mind on things that just tear down, tear down, tear down, tear down, tear down. That's all you see from this person. Just tear down, tear down, tear down. Nothing's right. I tell you, friend, repent of that. Because the world teaches us to get in that area and say to ourselves, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. That's what the devil wants you to think. That's what he wants you to pick up. Pick it up. Run with it. But I tell you, when we, we dwell on these things and we look, and if we are truly thinking whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, repute, if. Yet reality is, is that if this is happening all the way back to 6, all the way back to Philippians verse 1, What Paul has been teaching us, if it's permitted only if you are dying to yourself, seeking the Lord, you will not have peace left to yourself or doing it your way. But we are to do it His way because He's God and we're not. But it's out of that new heart that he gives us the desire to do it. I mean, do you have a desire? Do you, let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand on this. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a desire for Philippians, really all, but Philippians chapter first, 4, verse 6 through 9 to be reality in your life? Okay, well, do something with it. It means do something with it. Do you want peace? Do we have peace? Is this really what we want? Well, it's going to take you humbling yourself before God. And that will come. It says, remember the word if communicates only if the following, the, what preceded, not preceded, but whatever we spoke of just then, right? have been met, if there is any excellent, moral excellence. Describe the, the Christian thought. Think about this for a minute. If, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, but you, now listen to this. Don't forget this, because this is real and it applies to you. But you are a chosen people. You, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. Remember that? Remember where you were? Remember where He brought you out of? Remember where He changed everything about you? Remember when He paid your sin in full? See, this is what Satan wants to get us occupied with everything else so we forget about what Christ has done for us. That we don't, you know, really think about these things too much because it just ruined his plan. But we are to look upon his glory, his excellence, true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Isn't that praiseworthy? 
If there's anything praiseworthy, it means if there's anything praiseworthy, look what we've just gone through. Look what we've just read. Look at Psalm 145. Is there anything praiseworthy today? Think on these things and the God of peace will overcrow. The God of peace surpasses all understanding. The God of glory is the one that you love. The God of glory is the one that you worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God to this God that has been so merciful to him. So what is it that you're dwelling on? What is it that you are captivated by? What is it that is stealing your joy this very day? Well, you can start by turning the TV off. What did you dwell on last week? How did we apply the things that we have seen thus far? One of the things that we have looked at last week is it's not about the what, it's about the who. The who is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's about Him. Everything for a believer is about Him. And what does He say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Man, you're going to be so captivated with Jesus Christ. He's just going to bless you with the whatever you needed. He, you don't even have to mention it. Why? Because it says seek first the kingdom of God and what he's laid out for you, what you want, what you want because of his excellencies, his excellence, power, you will have to glorify his name. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah, what a savior. The second, third guidepost that we have, the guidepost for our practice. Now think about this. I know I've said that word, think about it, but we really are. We are on thoughts. And we should be thinking about this, amen? One of the things that we forget to think about is thinking about it. When we get out the door, we're going to think about it. When we get down to, uh, to the restaurant, we're going to think about it. Monday morning, are we going to think about it? When we roll out of bed all croggy and starting another work week, are we going to think about it? Because I'm going to tell you, this is what's going to give you peace. Do you believe the Bible? And if you believe the Bible, I'll tell you, it's right here before us. You will have this peace that surpasses all understanding. Practice these things again. We've already said it, practice these things. is a verb, present tense, active, imperative, second person, plural. What does it mean? This means you are to be active in this as a command unto you. You're not to lay beside it. A lot of people read their Bible on Sunday and look at it the rest of the week. We're guilty. A lot of people want to lay beside a good sermon. Say, hey, hallelujah, that was good, and not be changed at all. But <laughs> let us be put into practice these things. This, this is what it is, what we have learned and received and heard and seen. It says to practice these things, put into practice. And again, the security of God's peace will protect us. For knowledge was always led to responsible Christian living because of the who and not the what. 
We are to think about what Paul has done. What has Paul taught taught us in Philippians? I tell you, look at his word, and you and you'll see he he showed us how to give thanks unto God. Be thankful. How much? How often? All the time. Paul was our poster child of what thanksgiving and praise and focus on other people versus himself. Paul was the poster child on giving thanks in the toughest of times. Paul was the poster child for uh, uh, picking up his cross and following Christ no matter what the cost. He cared more for others than he did himself. Paul, coming to the end of two years here, of uh, being uh, uh, chained to a Roman guard, right? He's more concerned about the church of Philippi than he is himself. Now, I ask yourself, ask yourself this, what am I more concerned about? Myself or other people? Well, the Bible teaches, even Philippians teaches, take care of yourself, but also take care of others. But we see that Paul also shows us what it means to, to, to conduct yourself in a way worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What else has he done? He told us to stand firm with one spirit, one mind, striving together in the unity of the church. Thank all these things, not set beside them. What have we learned in the, out of the book of uh, Philippians? A lot for the Christian living. Stand firm on the word of God. Prove all things. Here's the one that we don't really care for is that standing firm in humility. And humbleness. If God before you, who could be against you? Well, I'm going to tell you who could be against you is yourself. But not seeking Him. Practice these things, these things we have learned and received and heard and seen of Paul. It says practice these things, put into uh, practice these things that He are to do all things without grumbling and complaining. That should be a big old my. We forget that one, amen? What things is he talking about? Everything that he has taught us this far in the book of Philippians. Application, application, application. Do these things. Why? Because your zeal for the Lord, because you being poured out for Christ, because you're rejoicing in all these things, because you know that God who began a work will finish it in you through Christ Jesus. Practice these things. Rejoicing in the cross, calling on Christ, right? Rejoicing in the coming of Christ. Practice these things. Press toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Practice these things. Have I mentioned application yet? But I tell you, application is very important. <laughs> I'm just speaking with that. But application is important because it's not—it's a spiritual battle that we're in. How how's the battle going for you today? If you're beat down, depressed, mad, angry, hurt, we have a remedy for it right here. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you're disgusted, distraught. Just eat up with everything's wrong. That's exactly 
what's going to tear you down. But focusing on Christ and all that he's done, everything's right. Hallelujah, what a prayer. Uh, what a Savior. Prayer is the cure for these things mentioned already. Anxiety, right? All the stuff that I mentioned already, lack of peace is because we're not focused on Him. Lack of peace is we're focused on something else. What's the next thing that's going to make me happy? And it should be that we are expelling the fruit of the Spirit was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And it goes on. Scripture applies to us. As believers of Jesus Christ, He paid it all. He says, humble yourself and under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in the proper time. Orient our thoughts is going to mean the world to us, exactly how we're going to act and how we're going to be controlled and how the Spirit of God comes upon us and corrects us and strengthens us and encourages us to get back in there, press toward the mark, get in the race and run the race. Amen? Now listen to this right here. Blessed are you. Blessed am I. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, and they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, and they shall inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? Think on these things. Let us pray. Father, you so much more here. And Lord, as we are looking at these things, we must ask ourselves, do we truly have peace? Are we pressing on? Are we in the race? Are we in it to win it? Are we captivated by whatever and everything that's wrong instead of being captivated by Christ? Are we leading a life of selflessness or selfishness? Lord, we come to you wanting to, to love you more, to cherish you more, to be captivated by you, Lord, truly, not by words, not by mere words, but it is a reality in our life. We have peace and joy. In the time of trouble, we have peace and joy when there is no trouble. Lord, you have made us more than conquerors. May we rejoice in all that you are and spend our life satisfied, yet but not satisfied because we want to know you more each and every day. Help us, Lord. 
Help us to hate sin like you hate sin. Help us to love you in righteousness like you love you in righteousness. May we wave our banner that we are lovers of Jesus Christ. And sometimes able to use words as well. Thank you, Lord, for conviction, thanksgiving and correction, thanksgiving and pulling up those who are bowed down, heavy laden, weary. We thank you, Lord, for being a God of love, God of mercy, a God of forgiveness. Help your church be in unity, unity, unity for one cause, one spirit, one Christ. The God of glory would be our goal to honor you in all these things as a community of believers.